Well, thank you so much. The music has been a tremendous blessing today. Last Sunday, we began pledging our budget, and we continue to do so today. You might ask the question, why do we do that? Why do we go through this process every year? And there are a couple of reasons beyond the obvious. First of all is that it is a call to prayer. The reason I say that is because I know the most effective way to get Baptists praying is to have a stewardship emphasis. And when we do that, I have so many of you say, well, I'm praying about it. So I know that you've been praying. Secondly, it is a call to faith. The fact is, when one first begins to tithe, it is a tremendous step of faith. There are some of you who have never come to this time, you've never come to this place where you've made that commitment, and there is a struggle with you, and I certainly understand that. In fact, I remember when Linda and I made the commitment for the first time. It was in March of 1967, and our tithe was $37. I, I remember that because I wrote it in my Bible because it was such a significant step of faith for us. We did not have the extra money. And so it came down to, were we going to trust God? Were we going to believe God's word or not? And so that was back in 1967, and the Lord has been faithful. But I say that to you to say, I know that some of you are struggling with the concept, and that is normal. That is normal. It is a tremendous step of faith. Our budget reveals our commitment. I, I remember when I was a boy, someone would make a boisterous claim of some sort, and uh, someone would say, well, put your money where your mouth is. Well, that's what the budget is. It's putting our money where our mouth is. For instance, we can say, well, I, I, I love the church. Well, we put our money where our mouth is. I, I'm committed to missions. I want to see the gospel spread around the world. That's putting your money where your mouth is. You remember a few years ago, when they had all the bumper stickers on the backs of cars that says, Honk if you love Jesus. And then afterwards, someone came out with a bumper sticker that says, Tithe if you love Jesus, anyone can honk. <laughs> well, that's what it is when we're pledging the budget. It's Whenever we make out the budget, we're pledging the budget. It is really down to where the rubber meets the road. What do we really believe? And we talk about missions in our budget this next year to international missions. We have committed $185,000, but there will be another 100000 given to that in special offerings, Lottie Moon Christmas offering, Annie Armstrong, and so forth. And then beyond that, there's $20,000 that goes to associational missions, and that's missions within our community. Our media budget in calls for $150,000 through the budget, and much of our statewide ministry, our media ministry, is supported by those who send in support from watching television. Our discipleship budget uh, calls for a little more than a million dollars total. Now, that is, that is uh, the, the, the part of the budget that is committed to helping you grow in your relationship to Christ. $25,000 for child care. And then uh, $58,000 for youth ministry, $39,000 for college ministry, and, and so forth. And so there, there is that part of it. Facilities, do you know how much our utilities cost us a year? Would you believe $358,000? And I, I know that you're all comfortable this morning, are you not? 
I've had several people to say, well, I'm a little chilly this morning. Well, I just want you to know Steve Phillips is feeling real good. And he's the one who controls all of that. So if you are not pleased with it, you talk to Steve. Well, today I want to talk to you on the subject of Thanksgiving. Take your Bibles, turn with me to John chapter 12, beginning in verse number 1. The Gospel of John chapter 12, verse 1. Jesus, therefore, six days before the Passover, came to Bethany, where Lazarus was whom Jesus had raised from the dead. So they made him a supper there, and Martha was serving, but Lazarus was one of those reclining at the table with him. Mary, therefore, took a pound of very costly perfume of pure nard and anointed the feet of Jesus and wiped his feet with her hair, and the house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. But Judas Iscariot, one of his disciples who was intending to betray him, said, Why was this perfume not sold for three hundred denarii and given to poor people? Now, he said this not because he was concerned about the poor, but because he was a thief, and as he had the money box, he used to pilfer what was put into it. Jesus, therefore, said, Let her alone, in order that she may keep it for the day of my burial. For the poor you always have with you, but you do not always have me. Now, as we look at these verses of Scripture, I would begin by saying that giving is a testimony of the heart. Some, someone says that, that money talks, and it does. It really tells us what we value in life. Now, what motivates us to give? What causes us to make a commitment as we are talking about today? Well, I look at Mary, and her motivation obviously was gratitude. She was simply grateful to the Lord for what he had done. Now, you recall the story prior to this time. Her brother Lazarus was sick. And they sent for Jesus to come that he might heal him. But by the time Jesus got there, Lazarus had died. So Jesus then raised Lazarus from the dead. If you look at chapter 11, verse number 40, Jesus said to her, Did I not say to you, if you believe, you will see the glory of God? And so they removed the stone, and Jesus raised his eyes and said, Father, I thank thee that thou heardest me, and I knew that thou hearest me always, but because of the people standing around, I said it, that they may believe that thou didst send me. And when he had said these things, he cried out with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. He who had died came forth, bound hand and foot with wrappings, and his face was wrapped around with a cloth, and Jesus said to them, Unbind him and let him go. So Mary then is simply expressing appreciation to Jesus. When she came to anoint his feet with perfume, it was simply gratitude. Jesus, thank you. Thank you for what you've done for my brother and for my family. Well, what motivates us to give? There are some who give simply because there is a need that exists. In fact, Feed the Hungry was established that way. Pastor Lee Lahaki over at St. Peter's Catholic Church had come over. We were having coffee one day, and we were talking about some of our theological differences. And, and I said to him, you know, I'm not going to change it in my beliefs to suit you, and I doubt that you're going to change yours to suit me. But there is one thing that we agree on, is that there is a need, and we can meet that need. And so that's how Feed the Hungry was formed. Some of you got involved in that, and then you realize that Thanksgiving is not the only time that the need exists, and so now you're down here on Saturdays once a month feeding the hungry. 
You do so because there is a need. Some of our members work over in the soup kitchen because there is a need. So I say that, that some people are motivated out of a need. There is a need that exists, and so you give. There are some who do so because of a sense of responsibility. Jesus said in Luke 12:48, And from everyone who has been given much shall much be required. And to whom they entrusted much of him, they will ask all the more. So there are some people who are motivated out of a sense of responsibility. I have been blessed with much, therefore I am to give to those who have not been blessed with as much. And that is the motivation. None of us wants to be irresponsible. We want to be helpful to other people who have needs. Some are motivated out of expectation. It is simply expected that I give. I've served on a number of boards in my life. I'm on the board of trustees at Southeastern Baptist Seminary up in Wake Forest. I'm on the FCA board. I've been on Charleston Southern Board, various other boards. One of the things they all have in common is that they come to the trustees and say, Now it is expected that you give. Because we can't get any money from grants unless all of our board members give. I've said, you know, I want, to be on a, I want to be on a paying board just one time, but I've always been on giving boards. There are some people who give because it is expected of them, but the greatest and most demanding motivation is love, is that I love. I hope that I can convey that to you today, that when we're talking about giving and stewardship, those things, we're talking about love. Now... I always have people to say to me, always have in my ministry, people to say to me, well, you know, we're not under the law. And I know what they mean by that is that the law requires 10%. And what they are saying is that that is the law, 10%, but we're not under the law. And my response is, that's correct, we're not under the law, but grace always demands more. Always demands more. For instance, the law would say to me, that I am to take care of my family, that I'm to do the minimal for my family. That's the law. But love says I'm to do the maximum. That I don't want to just get by with the minimum, what the law says. I want to do the maximum. And the same thing is true with me whenever it comes to pledging the budget. We talk about sacrifice and so forth. It's a privilege for me because of love for God and the love for this church and the love for the ministries of this church. And so it is an expression of love. What is the motivation? The greatest motivation for your giving, ladies and gentlemen, is not guilt. And I don't want to get you on a guilt trip. I don't think I can, but that's not my intent anyway. It's none of those things. It's because you love. Because you love Jesus and you trust Him. Well, Mary loved the Lord, and so she gave a generous gift. First of all, she did what she could. Now, the Bible says in 2 Corinthians 8, 12, For if the readiness is present, and Paul here is talking about giving, if the readiness is present, if you're ready, it is acceptable according to what a man has, not according to what he does not have. In other words, we are all expected to do what we can. Now, when I look at Martha in verse number 2 of our text, so they made him a supper there, and Martha was serving. Now, that's what she could do. Martha was a hostess, and she loved to do things. She was the one in the kitchen. She was the one who was uh, taking care of Jesus, providing the meal, cleaning up, all those things. She did what she could. But Mary was not that kind of woman. That's not what Mary did. 
Mary was not the hostess. She was not the one who was preparing the meal. She was not the one who was... But she did remember, I have some perfume I've been saving, and I'll give that. I'll give that to Jesus because that's, that's what she had. Now, some people say, well, if, you know, if I had a million dollars, I'd give it to the Lord's work. Well, if you don't have a million dollars, that's not expected of you. You see, it is expected that we do what we can. And there are some people who give large gifts because they can. Henry Kroll had heard uh, Dwight L. Moody preach a message once, and he became convicted about this. He said, in a prayer, I can't be a preacher, but I can be a good businessman. If you will let me make money, I will use it in service. And he founded the Quaker Oat Company. And uh, for 40 years, more than 40 years, he gave 60 to 70 percent of his income to the Lord's work. He could do that. There are some of our people who are able to make large gifts, and they do. Many of them do. And that's what they can do. But you say, well, I'm not able to do that. I, I don't have large gifts. I don't have a lot. Did you know that it's really not important to the Lord? Because the Lord is able to take what we have and use it as he wants to. The Lord uses our smaller gifts as well. You remember when uh, Jesus fed the multitude and he said to the disciples, Now, what do we have around here? And so they went out trying to find out what was available. And when they came back, they said, We found a little boy here, and he had five loaves of bread and a couple of fish. And so Jesus took that, and he fed the thousands with what he had. You remember when David was going to fight Goliath? All he had was a slingshot. But that was enough when it was anointed by God, and God used that to win the battle. I remember one time, I've never gotten over it, I remember one time we were having a stewardship campaign. The offering plate was passed, and there was an envelope that was sent to my office. And it was two very simple gold earrings. And on the outside of the envelope, the lady, whoever she was, had written, This is all I have. And I thought, you know, that's the biggest gift that was given today. I had no idea what else was given. But she gave what she could. Well, that's what Mary did. She gave what she could. She did all that she could because she loved the Lord. I have no idea why Mary had this perfume, but they didn't have banks back then, and so that was the way that they, uh, they saved. It was in perfume. It was in clothes sometimes, but they saved that way. Could have been that she was saving that perfume for marriage. Could be that she was saving it when she was old and could no longer work. I have no idea why, but I know that love is demanding. It requires more than the law. What does the Bible say? We all know the verse of Scripture in John 3:16. For God so loved the world that what? That He gave. He gave His only begotten Son. Now, what motivated God to give His only Son? Love. Because He loves you, because He loves me. And it was love that emptied Mary's perfume bottle. She poured it on Jesus' feet simply because she loved Him. And it is love that demands our all. I've said before that... When uh, Linda asked me, as she does, and I, and I tell Linda every, every day, several times a day, that I love her because I do. But when she says, how much do you love me? I know what the answer better be. With all my heart. Because anything less is not acceptable. With all my heart. Folks, the same thing is true with the Lord. If God were to say, how much do you love me? With all my heart. 
With a whole realm of nature mine, that were a present far too small. Love so amazing, so divine, demands my soul, my life, my all. How much do you love me, Wendell? Lord, not as much as I want. I want to love you with all my heart. Giving speaks of the heart. But it also raises questions from those who are not givers. Those who don't give really don't understand, and I understand that they don't understand. And so there are always questions. Question of Mary in verse number 4. Judas Iscariot, one of his disciples who was intending to pray him, betray him, said, Why was this perfume not sold for 300 denarii and, and given to poor people? Now, it's interesting to me that the critic of Mary's was Judas. And he said, what a waste, what a waste. You took that perfume and you just poured it out. What a waste. It could have been better used. You could have given it to the poor. We could have taken that perfume and sold it, taken the money and given to the poor. But the Bible says he really wasn't concerned about the poor. But that sounds good, doesn't it? I mean, that sounds good. He criticized Mary, but he offered nothing. He didn't do anything for Jesus. He just criticized her. Uh, giving is always uh, criticized by those who don't do it and don't understand it. Throughout my ministry, I have uh, heard people criticize a church whenever a church builds a building. Why do they need that building? They, they, don't, they don't need to spend money on that. They could have given that money to something else. Now, the thing that's always interesting to me is that those people who make that criticism are people who don't give anything. And I'm thinking, well, why do you care? You didn't give anything anyway. And if you did, I'll give it back to you. i got some change here in my pocket. But they're just criticized like that. And then they criticize uh, individuals for their generosity simply because they don't understand it. Giving always prompts questions. And those who don't understand are always going to find it a mystery that people are generous with their money to the things of God. Something about, you know, else about giving is that it sees the future. I, I saw the, the Broadway play years ago, Annie, and my favorite song in that, I hum it sometimes, favorite song in that is Tomorrow. Tomorrow, tomorrow, I love you tomorrow, you're only a day away. And I, I generally feel that way. You know, no matter what's going on today, there's tomorrow. Tomorrow is just a day away. And uh, th those who give are people who invest in the future. They see the future. They're not locked in to the right now. But people who give are always those people who see the future. Calvin Coolidge said, No person was ever honored for what he received. Honor has been the reward for what he gave. A generous person is one who's always looking ahead, always looking to the future. Now, Mary anointed the body of Jesus, verse number 7. Jesus therefore said, let her alone in order that she may keep it for the day of my burial. Now, she anointed his body for death before he died, according to Jesus. How did she know to do that? How did she know to do that? Look at verse number 3. Mary, therefore, took a pound of very costly perfume of pure nard and anointed the feet of Jesus. Did you know that every time in Scripture when Mary is mentioned, she is always at the feet of Jesus? And she wasn't much in the kitchen, but she was always at the feet of Jesus. 
And that's how she knew. She had a, an opportunity. And had she not anointed Jesus, he would not have been anointed. Do you remember when the ladies came to the tomb on that first Easter morning for the purpose of anointing the Lord? For the purpose of anointing the Lord? But he had already raised from the dead. So had she not done that back then, he would not have been anointed. And so Jesus commended her. You know, that's what I want, don't you? I want the Lord to be pleased with what I do. I want the Lord to be pleased. It's not important that the person seated next to you is pleased, but it is important that the Lord is pleased. It's the giver who believes in the future, who sees the future. And those who pledge, who get involved in this at this time, they are the people who see the future. A First Baptist Church, the work of the Lord through First Baptist Church, and they are the ones who are blessed. Now, listen, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not a... Uh, prosperity preacher. I, I don't believe that if you give that it's going to be downhill and shady for you. Every day is going to be better than the next and all that. I think you can give and go bankrupt tomorrow. So I just want you to understand it. But I do believe this. I believe when we trust the Lord in faith that God blesses. And there are blessings even today for our faithfulness today. Now I want you to look at verse number three again. Mary, therefore, took a pound of very costly perfume of pure nard and anointed the feet of Jesus and wiped his feet with her hair, and the house was filled with the fragrance. Now, she gave and then she received. Did you notice the Bible says that she poured the perfume on the feet of Jesus? She wiped that with her hair, and the aroma was back on her. It was back on her. And the Bible says that the entire house was filled with the fragrance. So she gave and she received. When we give, God blesses us. God blesses us. I, you know, I told you earlier there was a time when I struggled with it. And I really did because I just didn't have the money. And I thought, I really can't afford to do this. And now, after having done it for so many years, I think, well, I can't afford not to. My dad was right. Uh, when I was a little boy, my father told me then, my dad was a deacon in the church and so forth, but he told me then, he said, Wendell, it's just better to have God's blessings with the 90% than to have 100% without his blessings. And I found that to be true in my life. God has just blessed me. But not only are there pleasant, uh, present blessings, there also are future blessings as we invest in the future. I was thinking about this. Do you know whenever... You give. I, and I look at a lot of times at our college students. I know some of them are gone today, but I look out at our college students and I think, my goodness, what incredible influence you are going to have. How God is going to use you, we cannot dream. And so I look at you a lot of times and I think, as I am giving, in fact, I was watching James when he was watching the singing a little bit earlier. I mean, he was really focused in there. But I look at them and I think, you know, whenever I give, I'm investing in them. And I, look, and I look at the children, whenever the ch children are around. And, and I think as, as we give, we are investing in them. And many of them are going to be the leaders of this church tomorrow if the Lord tarries. See, I came to know Jesus in vacation Bible school. Someone invested. Someone gave. And we had vacation Bible school. And it was there that I came to know the Lord. 
And so whenever we give, we are investing in those children. Whenever we give, we are investing in missions. And I am absolutely convinced that the only hope this world has is that we have a revival. I, I just believe that the Spirit of the Lord has to move. We're going to have to really get serious about God and the things of God. And uh, so we're investing in missions. So giving sees the future. That's one of the things I like about it is that it is investing in the future. Let me conclude. I learned about thanksgiving from Mary. She gave what she could. And that's what we are all to do. As the Lord has blessed us, the Bible says we are to give. Some are able to give more than others. Mary gave her perfume. Martha gave her service. But she gave what she could. Secondly, she gave all she could. And that's what we are to do, each of us. We are to do all that we can. As God leads us, we are to do all that we can. Thirdly, she gave when she could. Time was running out. It was just a few hours until Jesus was dead. Time was running out. There was an opportunity. She responded to it. You and I, I believe, have an opportunity, and we must respond to the opportunity that God has entrusted to us. She gave because of love. That's really what I want you to do. That's what I want to do. Not because it's expected so much or uh, all of those other things. And they're worthy motivations. But the greatest motivation is love. Just because I love you, Lord, I want to be obedient to you. George Herbert prayed, Thou who has given so much to me, give one more thing, a grateful heart. I think... When you have a heart of gratitude, that is really not an issue. It's an expression of gratitude. That's what I'm praying for you, that you live grateful lives. That's one prayer that I pray for myself. Lord, make me grateful. Help me not to take things for granted. Make me grateful. May God give you a grateful heart. Our Father in God, we come to a time of... Of, uh, we're talking about making a financial commitment and those kinds of things. But, Lord, we know that your desire is that we commit our lives to you. And I pray, Father, for those today who, who need to do that, who need to commit their lives to you. May they do so. May your Holy Spirit draw them unto you. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. In just a moment, we're going to stand. The choir is going to sing. Extend an invitation. If you've never invited Christ into your heart, give Him your life today. You'll never regret it. Give Him your life today. There's some of you looking for a church home. Our doors are open to you. I hope you feel welcome here. You come as well. Let's stand together as we stand and the choir sings. You come. I'll greet you as you do.